0: It was my journey. You know, I wouldn't take anything back from it. Um, of course, I wish I would have stuck somewhere maybe a little bit longer, but you know, God is God's plan. You know, everywhere I went was for a reason. I'm every team I've been to, I've built some meaningful relationships with coaches, with players, um, just in my life. So I, I don't I don't regret anything about my process. I, 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 I love my journey, you know, that I love that I fought and clawed for everything that I got. And, uh, you know, that that, will be, you know, that will be what it is for
1: me. Deji Olatoye was a defensive back for the Atlanta Falcons team that got red hot down the stretch in 2016 on their run to Super Bowl 51. His journey to the big game in Houston involved many obstacles that Olatoye had to overcome. He stayed true to himself, worked hard, and drew on the strength of a value system installed by his Nigerian parents to navigate a difficult college football experience and multiple NFL practice squads. Olatoye's quest for one more chance to play the game he loves will inspire you to fight for your own goals in life. One million boys play high school football every year in America. And only about 300 players are drafted by teams to the NFL annually. Those are some seriously long odds. On this show, we'll tell you about the amazing people that have beat the odds to make it at the highest level. Deji Olatoye was born in 1991 in Cleveland, Ohio, to parents that had immigrated to the U.S. or Nigeria. His parents worked hard in their new country. His father was an accountant and his mother was a beauty salon owner before they transitioned into restaurant franchise ownership. Deji is the third of four children. While he and his siblings were all good athletes, his parents left no doubt that school came first.
0: I grew up in a a very strict household. You know, you say the least. Academics were important. Sports were secondary. If you didn't perform in school, you weren't going to be able to perform on the field because my parents wouldn't even let you go. Education was always a priority because for them, they were born and raised in Nigeria. Going to school was a privilege. Not everybody got to go
1: to school. In Nigeria, soccer is the national sport. As a youngster in Cleveland, Olatoye excelled on the soccer pitch, just like his older brother. He never played Pop Warner or youth football growing up choosing instead to focus on his father's favorite sport.
0: I thought that was my true calling. That, I, I never would have thought I would end up switching to football. Grew up playing Premier League, uh, so you're traveling every weekend, going to these tournaments, and you're, you're playing against a lot of different competitions. So I, I, I thought that was going to be my uh, true path. Surely my dad's dream was to see me and my brother play in a World Cup together. So that was kind of like what we were chasing, because we
1: always knew it was a possibility. When Olatoye reached high school, the family moved to Dublin, Ohio, near Columbus. He attended Sayoto High, which was a big change from his prior school in Cleveland. He went from a primarily African-American school to one that was mostly white. But most importantly to Ola Toye, the soccer team at Sayoto High was not very good, and most of his new friends were playing football or basketball.
0: My good friend Bradley McDougal who actually, he plays for the Seahawks currently. Um, he kind of was just on me to play football. And, you know, a lot of them, they were just like on my head to play football. So I eventually switched over, and I, and I really thought it was just going to be like, hey, you know, i to try it out. But I'm still probably going to play Premier League soccer. I went out for the team that started varsity that my, uh that 10th grade year. And I just kind of stuck
1: with it. When Olatoye's older brother tried playing a sport other than soccer, he hid that fact from their father for over a month. Olatoye did the same thing when he played middle school basketball. Here is what his father had to say on Deji's switch to football in high school.
2: It was more of a, a curious uh, look uh, at him. You know, me thinking, what what's wrong with this boy's head? He was actually drafted by... Uh, fellow students who, uh, who were playing uh, football, it was, it, was a, it was a big surprise.
1: Olatoye played wide receiver and cornerback in high school, and he excelled on both sides of the ball. But a discussion during a recruiting visit with Colorado assistant coach Greg Brown convinced him his future was on the defensive side of the ball. So he focused there, and colleges took notice. The Buffaloes were the biggest school considering making an offer to Olatoye. But an unfortunately timed school incident nearly derailed that opportunity.
0: I got suspended. I definitely got suspended my senior year, which, uh, which could have set me back for real because that was during my senior season of football. I got suspended from school, and then that, that sat me down for a total of three games. And that was actually while University of Colorado was still in the process of recruiting me And during one of those game suspensions, Darian Hagan, who I attribute a lot to, because he he was was the recruiter that came to visit me. And he came during one of those suspended games. And I wasn't aware until he was actually in town. So then here I am having to explain myself that I'm suspended, you know, and I'm not going to be playing. He's here to see what I look like to go back and report to the head coach. And uh, he actually he actually looked out for me and just went off the merit of the tape that I already put in and the tape from the rest of that year, and they still ended up offering me. So, and that's something that's always actually been between me and him, but he, me and him, he, we are cool for life because they could have easily pulled my scholarship offer.
1: Colorado stuck with Olatoye, and he arrived there in the fall of 2009. The competition to get on the field was a big step up for Olatoye, and he redshirted his freshman year. During the 2010 season, Olatoye fought his way onto the field on special teams and also earned work in the secondary. But the team struggled and fired head coach Dan Hawkins mid-season. The school hired alumnus and recent NFL assistant coach John Embry for the 2011 season. And Coach Embry brought a new attitude to Boulder.
0: He treated it very businesslike and... A lot, of, a lot of players that we had ended up getting cut before that, before spring ball, and they had to transfer or find out what they were going to do. He, he made sure, he made an emphasis that
1: everybody knew their scholarships are one-year renewable scholarships. Olatoye got more work in the defensive backfield his sophomore year under Embry initially, but the coach was looking to shake things up after a string of early losses, and Olatoye was on the wrong end of those changes.
0: He didn't renew my scholarship for the next year. He, he let us go in the middle of the season, and we truly asked him for a reason, and he just said it was going to be best for him and his organization to go a different direction.
1: Olatoye had to find a new school to offer him a scholarship and a chance to play. After pursuing a number of D1 opportunities, he settled on North Carolina A&T. New coach Rod Broadway had a history of getting players to the NFL, having previously coached Javon Kurse and Julius Peppers, and Olatoye felt an instant connection with defensive coordinator Sam Washington. He committed... And headed from Boulder, Colorado to Greensboro, North Carolina. Ola made an immediate impact on a team trending in the right direction. I'm
0: back to some feeling like I'm somewhere I grew up in, somewhere like Cleveland. You know, I grew up around predominantly black. Now I'm at an HBCU where, you know, the teachers are black, administration's black, you know, your coaches are black. Like it, it was, it was real, it was, it was, e- it was easy fitting back in. You feel me? It was easy being, be, going to North Carolina, too. It, it was an easy transition. <laughs> I had a lot of good times at a and uh, My first year down there, I think we had beat South Carolina State, and that was the first time in maybe like 13, and then like over like a decade or something. So that always will stick out. My, fo- my first homecoming at North Carolina A&T, they call it the greatest homecoming on earth, G-Ho. <laughs> um that that that's one of my greatest memories
1: after two strong seasons on the field for nca and t olatoye was ready for the jump to the nfl while not drafted in 2014 olatoye signed on with the baltimore ravens as a free agent the ravens had one of the league's top defenses and olatoye reunited with colorado buffalo's teammate jimmy smith in the defensive backfield he spent the early part of the season on the practice squad with the ravens
0: every day they compete they're evaluating you every single day. And uh, the competition there, they you know, they were at the time when we went to training camp and OTAs, we were doing uh, double downs, which I don't think every team was doing. So let's say during the seven-on-seven seven period, you know how you usually just have everybody up on one field. They're splitting one, two fields in there. Ones and twos over here, threes and fours over there you know where exactly where you stand on the depth chart. If you're having a good day, they're going to switch you to the bet, to the ones field. Hey, come over here, you know? So you know exactly where you stand. <laughs> so it was, it was the Ravens prepared me for what the NFL was.
1: As the 2014 season progressed, Olatoyé made the switch to the practice squad with the Kansas City Chiefs. After their team experienced injuries in the secondary, while the Chiefs didn't let the defense go full out in practice like the Ravens did, the move worked out well for Olatoye. With the Chiefs, he met assistant coach Al Harris, who taught Olatoye how to play the cornerback position at a higher level.
0: Al Harris, when I was with the Kansas City Chiefs, he uh, he he kind of developed a, you know a, a technique and something that I could lean on consistently. He was the first person that, like, broke it down for me, step by step. Hey, man, this is what you're doing. This is where you're looking. This is what where your transition needs to go. So he kind of took my game. He kind of took my game and, and uh, gave me the confidence I needed to improve in my career. And, and that's, that's kind of how my career went. Once I left Kansas City, everything just kind of got better and better.
1: After his time with the Chiefs, Ola Toye signed with the Dallas Cowboys for the 2015 season. In Dallas, he got his first taste of regular season action for one of the NFL's most iconic teams.
0: This gave me a chance to compete in practice every day. I got to go up against their ones. So
1: if I'm disrupting practice, I know I'm putting their coaches
0: on notice. I'm putting our coaches on notice. I'm putting the organization on notice. I got activated that season, and then uh, I actually got an opportunity to start the last two, three games. Uh, Got an interception, got my first NFL pick with them versus the Buffalo Bills.
1: Um, I always remember that one. After one season with the Cowboys, Olatoye joined the Atlanta Falcons for the 2016 season. In practice, he matched up with one of the league's top wide receivers in Julio Jones. Facing Julio every day in practice prepared Olatoye for the challenges on Sundays.
0: I covered Julio at practice.
1: I had to to go up against Julio at practice.
0: That's, That's a monster day in and day out. Let me tell you that Man, that was that, shit, that was harder than any any game I went in. Man, he's he's a he's a he's a he's a one of one. Um, but being being able to go up against him each and every day got to got to get me to improve my game and it, it took my game to another level. And uh, the culture that we had in Atlanta, we were competing against each other. So there were no easy days. There were no easy days. Julio, you know, we, there, during that time we had we had some speed demons, Taylor Gabriel. Um, (laughs) you know, we had some some speed on that team.
1: So I'd say my hardest matchups came up in practice. The Falcons caught fire in 2016, with league MVP Matt Ryan leading the way on offense, complemented by a tough defensive squad. Olatoye played a key role as a nickel-and-dime corner for the Falcons through the stretch run and playoffs. The team beat the Seahawks and Packers in the playoffs and booked a spot in Super Bowl 51 against the New England Patriots. Olatoye had this to say about the experience in Houston.
0: It was, everything is advertised to be, you know. But, you know, it, it's a lot of, if you, can, if you let it, it will distract you because you have to, you're obligated to go to a lot of media events and this, that, and the third. But, you know, I usually got, being being so young, I just took it all in and I knew that some people never got the opportunity to ever do it. So I just, I just took it all in. It was, it was a good experience. I got to bring my family out there. You know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, looking back on it.
1: At halftime of the Super Bowl, the Falcons were in control. They were up 21-3, and Tom Brady was struggling to generate anything on offense. Falcons coach Dan Quinn knew that a team led by Brady and coach Bill Belichick would not lay down.
0: Message was simple. Keep keep, keep the foot on the gas. It's not any time to let up. We knew the Patriots were a great uh, team when it came to it, making adjustments. I mean, we knew they had one of the best quarterbacks out there and then one of the best coaches out there. So we knew they were going to come with adjustments and uh, the, the message was simple. Keep our foot on the gas, don't
1: let up, go back out there like it's 0-0. Zero, zero. To the horror of every long-suffering Falcons fan, the Patriots started to battle back. The season New England team made big play after big play and tied the game with less than one minute remaining in regulation, setting up the first overtime in the Super Bowl era. You don't really realize it until the whole the comeback is complete because it's like we stopped one of
0: any of these plays. The comeback is over. <laughs> they had momentum on their side, and we knew that. But could you come out getting a fresh start, you know, uh, overtime? This the first quarter, slip a coin, it can go either way. So it's just let's, let's go out there and win this game.
1: The Falcons lost that game, and Ola Toye started the 2017 season with the team again. But things didn't work out that year for him.
0: So I was trying to improve on my role, but, you know, the business of the game didn't work out in my favor, and they ended up releasing me. Uh, I was off for maybe about three weeks. Tampa Bay picked me up. Uh, They had some injuries happen over there. Uh, I was with them for about four weeks of that season. They, They actually picked me up for two weeks, released me, and then picked me back up for two weeks, and when they released
1: me, Ola Toye didn't catch on to an NFL roster for the 2018 campaign, so in early 2019, when the new Alliance of American Football League launched, he decided to play for the Orlando Apollos. The upstart league promised players a fair salary and a chance to prove to NFL teams that they deserved another opportunity.
0: You have to be able to adjust on the fly. You just have to be open to it. The league is learning as the same pace that you are. You, know, you don't know what to expect. They also don't know what to tell you to expect. It's their first year. The communication could have been much better in that league, but that league tried to take care of its players um, with the pay, with the pay scale. It was for the film and trying to get another opportunity to get back into the NFL, just just kind of prove myself that I, I still belong. And so I, I, I appreciated the league for what it was.
1: Unfortunately, the league was badly mismanaged financially, and the AAF failed in the middle of the first season into April 2019. When Olatoye didn't catch on with an NFL team for the 2019 season, he took a chance with another upstart football league with the XFL. He signed with the Houston Roughnecks, and it looked like the XFL was off to a good start.
0: The XFL, they, you know, the, the practices became more organized as it grew. It was it was on pace to do something. It was on pace to do something that was going to be, probably be able to be long lasting. But it generated a lot of fan interest, and it it was Still, play, you're still playing football. You had good competition down there, but the day in and day out grind was more so like the NFL.
1: The XFL was unable to complete their first season as the coronavirus pandemic shut the league down in March 2020 before the playoffs. Olatoye is grateful for the opportunities the AAF and XFL gave him to get more film and to try to show NFL teams he can still be an asset. He's staying in shape. And still hopes to get an opportunity to compete at a training camp when the NFL kicks off for the 2020 season. That said, Olatoye has started to plan for life after football.
0: I, I'm trying to start my entrepreneur or expand my entrepreneur business, um, looking into franchising some restaurants, so there, there are a couple of things that I have on my, on my, uh, on my plate that I'm actually working towards as we
1: speak, but I also want to. Uh, go back to school whenever I officially retire from the NFL. We asked Ola Toye to reflect on his football career. He had this to say. Just the
0: way I exited the NFL, it it was never on my terms and it wasn't on terms of, hey, you're not good enough to play, so we cut you. It's it's always been the business of the league that's got me. So, you know, just just the opportunity to go out there one last time, one more year, and and then if that's what it is, I want to be told, hey, you're not good enough. You feel me, and that that pride there—that's kind of what keeps me going. It was my journey, you know. I wouldn't take anything back from it. Of course, wish I would have stuck somewhere maybe a little bit longer, but you know, God, God's plan. You know, everywhere I went was for a reason. I've, every team I've been to, I've built some meaningful relationships with coaches, with players, um, just in my life. So i don't I don't regret anything about my process I I, I I love my journey you know that I love that I fought and clawed for everything that i got you know that that that's, that'll be you know that'll be
2: what it is for me
1: Ola Toye's father said the following about his son's journey and what drove him to keep fighting for opportunities
2: he throughout the years that he listened you know we we didn't think that he was listening. You know, I guess uh, many parents feel like, uh, you know, they're talking to a dead wall and, and they're not listening. This kid is not listening to me, but uh, actually he was listening and he he did everything to put himself in that position, you know. And, and that's the stuff success is made up of, uh, that you do the work and you are willing to sacrifice and,
1: and get to the top. Olatoye's father believes their Nigerian value system helped his son achieve so much.
2: Essentially, he, he knew what he wanted, and uh, growing up in a Nigerian home uh, outside of Nigeria doesn't mean that the, the, the culture that uh, instills in, in, in us the fact that if you want something and you don't go after it and, and put everything into it, uh, then you really don't want that thing. You know, so he he knew what he wanted. And I, you know, over the years, you know, when, he, when they were growing up, you know, we've always told them, if you want it, you have to really do the work. And also, uh, we always use the example of, the person who is able to get there did not have
1: two heads. Olatoya credits much of his success to the sacrifices that his parents made for him and his siblings.
0: I just always want to, you know, thank my parents for, uh, you know, they made the hardest decision to being immigrants from Nigeria. Coming up from nothing and uh, giving me the opportunity to come out and do what I want for my lifetime and not have to do what I have to do. Uh, I'd never be able to thank my parents enough for that. Um, And I don't know if a whole lot of people will ever understand that journey. Uh, They had to leave the comfortability of their family, their whole comfort zone, to make a decision that they wanted a better life for us. And um, you know, that's something that I try to pay back to them every day.
1: That is our story of Deji Olatoye, NFL veteran, NFC champion, and Super Bowl 51 participant who is still fighting for one more shot in the league. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Beat the Odds and can find some inspiration and motivation in the career journey of Deji Olatoye. If you did, please rate and comment on our show, and please subscribe to our channel. You don't want to miss our next amazing episode. Beat the Odds is a production of Beyond the Game Media. I'm your host, Brian Zwerner. Bo Johnson is our sound engineer. Thank you for listening.